How's everybody feeling today? Powerful. How's everybody feeling today? Powerful. How's everybody feeling today? Powerful. What are we? Freedom. What do we do? Get it's time to make it. Freedom. Let's get to First game. One. Let's go. Okay, Noel, we get it. Wealth is available to everybody everywhere. <laughs> Tell us where this wealth comes from. Show us, give us the secret sauce. How does this whole thing work? Okay, well, let's get started. Where does wealth actually come from? All wealth begins in our minds. I'm going to say it again. All wealth begins in our minds. Someone says, Noel, you sound like you've lost your mind. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I want you to think about something for a moment. The device that you're listening to this message on right now started out as an idea or a concept in somebody's mind, right? Whether it's a computer or on a phone that you've downloaded on, those all started out as an idea. That somebody had an idea, you know what, I'm going to create a computer. And then they drew out a blueprint, right? And then they went to work, <clears throat> they created it, and then through a distributor, they sold it to you, right? It all started out as an idea. The clothes you're wearing right now, assuming you are wearing clothes, like that, all of that came from somebody's, somebody's mind. Somebody said, you know what, I'm going to start out a fashion design company. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to design these type of clothes, these type of jeans, these type of shirts, this type of suit, this type of tie, right? It all started out as an idea. Once it was created, of course, there was an exchange, correct? Like this, that's what you paid for, what you've received. The place that you're sitting in right now and listening to this message, so if you're at home, that house started out as an idea. Somebody said, I'm going to get into construction. I'm going to build houses. And then they got an architect and they started drawing out the designs and then somebody had to go to a bank to go and get financing. And then um, somebody went to the people who get the, the lumber yard where they got the wood and other people got the, the nails and the bolts. Are you beginning to understand what I'm saying? All of this stuff came from our minds. The company you work for started out as an idea or the company you created started as an idea. We literally live in an imagination world. Everything that we see out here in creation that is man-made or woman-made started out as an idea. The problem is that a lot of us never stick with one idea long enough for us to ever really realize or materialize any real wealth. A lot of us are bouncing from thing to thing to thing as opposed to focusing on something that can create tremendous value. I hope I'm making sense. All wealth starts and finishes with the mind. It all begins there. It's the birthplace of everything that we see. And so somebody says, well, no, well that sounds a little bit rinky-dink, a little bit far, a little bit out there. What do you mean? Like all this wealth is inside of me. Really? <laughs> okay, well, think of something else. I mean... Uh, for all of us who have smartphones, as an example, right? There's a new application, or relatively new, it's called WhatsApp, right? The WhatsApp application allows us to communicate via text or instant messaging with people no matter what other device that they are using anywhere in the world, right? Now, 
originally, because you know, I, I'll admit it, I'm a, I was a BlackBerry guy, <laughs> and still am to some degree. BlackBerry became very popular because of this thing called BlackBerry messaging, or BBM, right? The fact that you could communicate with people anywhere on the planet, as long as they had a BlackBerry and you could message them for free, oh man, that was it was a bonanza. It was a field day. Everybody's like, yes, we have arrived. Because of course, most of our favorite four-letter word is the word free, right? <laughs> so with this technology, it was frustrating for people who had other phones because there were other competitors like Apple and Samsung and. Uh, and, and Android and all these different phone companies, right? And depending on the country you're in, whatever company produces them in your country. Somebody said, you know what? I've had enough of this. This guy by the name of Jan Coombe comes up with an idea says, you know, I'm going to create a platform where regardless to what the device is, anybody can communicate for free across the planet using the internet. Whoa! A Rembrandt, something that's amazing, something that's incredible, Right? Well, let me tell you, that one idea, one idea that the Jam had has made him a billionaire. That's a billion with a B, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's real money, right? Both between cash and equity, he's a billionaire. He thought about a problem that he could solve. He solved that problem, and today he is a new man. He is a rich guy, right? So that is the power of imagination. That's the power of the mind. Any company that you work for or have created all started out as an idea. Nothing more than an idea. It all starts in the mind. So when I say to you that you're already rich, it's because as long as you can think, you can create something. You have deep reservoirs in your mind that you haven't even begun to explore. And same with me. You know what I mean? I got a bunch of that, and I'm trying to tap into this bad boy every day. Look, I want you to think about this. It's like, can you imagine living broke, but having millions of dollars underneath your feet? But a lot of us are too lazy to bend over and pick up the gold that resides right beneath our feet. Like this, in order to get the benefit in the physical, in, in this tangible reality. Whoever solves people's problems becomes rich. Anybody who serves people's needs becomes rich. The only question that's left is what problem are you willing to solve and how big are you willing to go? That's really the question. But anybody can choose to sit back and complain about their lot in life. Just like the people I mentioned, some of those people had a right to complain about their situation. And some people have very real obstacles, people intentionally trying to hold them back from creating the reality that they want to create for themselves. And they said, uh-uh, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to create what's in my mind. And I'm going to, as 50 Cent would say, I get rich or die trying. <laughs> so let's get into the steps. Step one is the awareness that you are already rich. I already indicated that all wealth comes from the mind. Now somebody would say, well, what do you mean I'm rich? I got bad credit. I got no money. I'm in a tight situation. What are you talking about? No, I'm born rich. I'm already rich. Well, again, our ability to think is what makes us rich. There's a book entitled Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And you'll notice that that book doesn't say know the right people and get rich or 
work really hard and get rich or you know and uh, or get struck by lightning or win the lottery and get rich it was think and grow rich the book think and grow rich is a synthesis of a study that took place over 20 years where Napoleon Hill, a young journalist, was given the opportunity by Andrew Carnegie, who at the time was the wealthiest person on the planet, the president of U.S. Steel. He was eager to see if there was a formula for success in financial terms. How do people actually create the wealth that they want to have? And the book, over this 20-year study, said the foundation for everything is the way that you and I think. Now, if we have the ability to think and we have the ability to work, we have the ability to create anything that we want. Awareness of the wealth and opportunities that are around us are the most important things. Somebody says, what do you mean awareness? Well, it's sort of like, you remember on the old computers, like even, well, even the new computers today, if you have a PC, right, there was a start icon in Windows, right? If you click on the start icon, icon, what pops up? A bunch of other options, right? A bunch of options become available. Now, if you click on programs, a whole bunch of other options become available. Now, those options were always there, but you didn't see them, and you won't see them unless you clicked on the start button. The start button is the touch point or the the beginning point of awareness, being able to see things that you didn't see before. So, I'll give you an example. There are some people who will look at people who bought stock in Microsoft or Apple when it, at their inception and would say, oh man, you are so lucky. You got in so cheap. You got it at the beginning. Oh my God, you're so lucky. Well, I don't know that luck had everything to do with that because first and foremost, you had to know where to look. Would you have invested? If not, why not? It's because you maybe weren't aware of how important software was going to be these young teenagers sitting in a garage whooping up this idea, you'd have been like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Well, think about this. Like, <laughs> Bill Gates goes to IBM and the guy he sits with, he says, look, we want the right to license our software. Well, the guy sitting across the desk from Bill says, well, the money's in the hardware anyway. So yeah, you can go ahead with your software. <laughs> There probably is a picture of this dude sitting up in, at, at IBM saying, this is the guy that cost us billions <laughs> of dollars. Because of a lack of awareness, Bill was aware of something that that gentleman wasn't. Oh yeah, whoever is most aware wins. When looking at the Apple or the Mac, when Steve Jobs first saw this little piece of machinery that had a keyboard and there was this little TV set that it connected the two and you could actually see what you were typing that Steve Wozniak had created. Even Steve, as a computer genius, did not see the opportunity that Steve Jobs saw. Steve Jobs is the one who saw this is a computer. Oh my God, this is the wheel. This is a, this is a totally new way in which computers are going to be looked at. We're moving away from the world of the mainframe and everybody's going to have a computer on their desk, in their home. He was seen as nuts at the beginning. But again, he had an awareness that other people didn't have. He had a vision that other people didn't have. He took advantage of that and, well, the rest is history, right? 
So anybody who is ignorant enough to tell me that awareness doesn't matter is displaying their own ignorance. Are you getting what I'm saying? Awareness is 90% of the battle because you can't take advantage of anything. Now some people say, well, some people were just lucky. Well, luck, it's been said that luck happens when preparation and opportunity meet. If you weren't prepared and you weren't aware that it existed, you couldn't have taken advantage of it in the first place. So it wouldn't matter. Are you getting what I'm saying? You need to be aware and we should all be seeking greater awareness of what's possible, of what can be created, as opposed to sitting back, bitching and complaining about our lives. You got two options. You can think about what's going wrong, or you can think about what you want to create that's right. Or you can look at problems out there and start figuring out solutions as opposed to sitting back and talking about the problems all day. Are you getting what I'm saying? The difference in the way that you think is going to dictate what you're going to do, which is going to dictate the results that you get, and it's going to dictate whether you end up going to the grave rich or poor, whether you leave people debts and bills behind or you leave them an inheritance. That's entirely up to you. It's entirely up to me. We have to make a decision here, guys. Hope we're clear. So without, with no awareness, there would be no action. And with no action... There is no, there's nothing to be created. Now, some will say, well, you know, that's easy for you to say, Noel. You know, I live in a place where I don't have the contacts and I don't have resources and I'm new in town and I live in a small town where there's, where a lot of people are struggling and I don't know how to speak the language here and so on and so on and so on. Look, all of these challenges that, the ideas that are popping up in your mind, the excusitis that seems to be a really acute disease around on this planet, you know, it seems to be catching and contagious. All of these obstacles that you're raising in your mind have been defeated by somebody else who's come from an environment just like yours. I remember listening to a message from uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes when he came when Oprah was in town in Toronto for the first time. And I remember sitting in that audience and he said, you know what? For those of you who are complaining about your life and complaining about your situation, there are, are other people who would pray for your problems. There are other people on this planet who would take the hand that you have been dealt with in life and win with it. Boy, was that a Pele kick to the scrotum for me. Like I felt that. That was, I was like, whoa, because... I know I can still be better than what I am. I know I can create more than I have. I know, I know that there's far more potential of, what I, of what's possible. You know what I'm saying? And so, and just like, as it is for me, it is for you too. Now, I'm going to get into overcoming those obstacles in a minute. But for right now, I want to get into the laws of compensation. There are laws around money, just like there are laws that govern gravity, polarity, transmutation, and the law of attraction. There are laws around wealth creation. So the law of compensation states that the amount of money we will receive will always be in direct proportion to the demand for what we do, our ability to do it, and the difficulty of replacing us. I'm going to repeat that. The amount of money that we will receive will always be in direct proportion to the demand for what we do, our ability to do it, and the difficulty of replacing us. Somebody says, well, what does all that mean? Okay, well, check this. A highly skilled person is worth more in dollar terms than a non-highly skilled person in the marketplace who can easily be replaced. 
Now, I want to be clear. All people are valuable, okay? And all roles are important. So this is not an elitist conversation. I want you to be clear on that, okay? But the simple point is, as far as the marketplace is concerned, all people are important, but the difference between the janitor and the brain surgeon is the demand for what they do. A person can be trained in a couple of weeks to clean floors. Yes? Of course. A person can be trained in weeks to do customer service, answering phones. Yeah? A person can be changed in weeks to serve food. Hmm. A neurosurgeon, to become a neurosurgeon, that doesn't happen in weeks. That takes years. That takes years of intense study and tremendous financial investment. It's a tremendous sacrifice away from family and friends to prepare your mind to be able to get into a space where you could save lives. Now, think about it now. As a neurosurgeon, you probably have janitors working where you do your surgery, right? It's because you need a clean, super clean, serene environment in order to conduct surgery. But it is very easy to replace cleaning people as opposed to replacing the surgeon. How many people are willing to go through and pay the price to become a neurosurgeon? And what is the demand for that service? To find good ones, it's a tough, tough find. You've got to work hard to find the best of the best, the specialists in that field. And because of supply and demand, that is the determining factor of where this wealth really, where it really comes from here. Now, some people will say it's not fair. Some people will say, well, why does that neurosurgeon make, in some cases, more in an hour than some hardworking people make in a year? Well, I would reject that to say it's not fair and say, yes, it is. If they were willing to make the investment of the time and the energy, and somebody says, well, wait, well, wait a second, I was willing to invest time and energy, but you don't understand what the reality I'm living in right now. Well, I already gave you examples of people who've come from tough environments, who came from nothing, who created That's part of the reason I shared those ideas and shared those stories with you, because we've got to eliminate the excuses, guys. There's no excuse. Listen, none of us are in control of what we are born into, but we are in control of what we become. We're not in control of where we started out living, but we're in control of where we end up. I'm not suggesting that there aren't real odds against some people. I'm not suggesting that some environments aren't brutally tough. I'm not suggesting that. That would be naive and incorrect. But no matter what environment it is, there seems to be somebody who wins everywhere on the planet. Why can't that somebody be you? It's up to you. And you can choose to be that winner Today, supply and demand is what dictates the value of a thing. Some people say, well, you know, it's not fair that some of these sports athletes are paid millions of dollars to bounce a ball or to, to kick a ball or to chase a ball or to chase a puck or <laughs> jump in a swimming pool or, you know, spike a ball over the net. Some people say it's not fair. I reject that. I believe it is fair. Just like it is for people who are in the movie, in the entertainment business, who make millions of dollars. The reason that they make that big money is because they allow you to escape your reality for a couple of hours. They allow you and I to get in in a place of camaraderie that brings our local town together, or our city together, or our region together, our state together, or our country together. You know, sports is one of those things that unifies people. And big dollars are generated because those superstars are playing on the field. 
when these players are making millions of dollars for doing what they do, they have to play sick. They got to play injured. Some of these people are going to have chronic pain for the rest of their lives because they're having to inject painkillers just so that they can get on that court or get on the field to play the game. Hope you understand what I'm saying. They've sacrificed a lot of long hours. When other people are out hanging out partying, they're in preparation. They're training. They're working hard. They've earned what they have. And I think that if you want wealth in your life, stop disrespecting other people who have it. You'll never have anything that you curse. When you see other people do well, bless them and say, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to having mine too. But to curse something and expect it to show up in your life, <laughs> you know, like if you're cussing some, anybody who, who can continually cuss you and mean it and stay in your life, wow. Like, I mean, you've got to really maybe reassess the way that you gauge friendship. Money doesn't stick around people who don't like it. Money doesn't stick around people who don't appreciate it. If you want to have it, you need to appreciate it. You need to respect it. You need to treat it properly. And you need to do whatever you need to do within the law to make it become real. Now, some people say, how come there are CEOs and CFOs that make so much money and the general laborers you know, who are constantly on strike aren't making all that money and they're on picket lines you know, upset about their situation? I'm not su- going to suggest by any means that the working condition in all co- companies is humane. I know that there are companies where some short-sighted owners have tremendously inhumane in uh, working environments, expecting the best from their employees doesn't happen. They may make a lot of money short term, but long term, if you actually invest in your people, I remember like Dexter Yeager, who was one of the greatest networkers on the planet, one of the greatest entrepreneurs um, in our history, said, you know what, if you build the people, you build your business. And this is why major companies, companies that are global in scope, they invest a ton of money in training and the development of their people. And they work hard to establish a homogeneous environment in which everybody has the company's global outlook as their primary focus. It's something where people absolutely love who they work for and people love their boss. They go to the ends of the earth for that boss. And so there are places that are rough places to work. But remember, you do have the choice of whether you're going to work there or not. If it's not working out, you need to find something else. Somebody says, what do you mean find something else? Look, it's either you're going to adapt or you're going to die. Those are your two options. It's just every organism has the same rules. Any organism that ceases to adapt to its environment ceases to exist. That includes us. We're either going to adapt and grow or we die where we stand. Or we can sit and complain about it all day and have a living hell and go to the grave with that mentality. It's up to us. Somebody says, no, that's not, that sounds kind of cold, man. Like you're just, you're, You sound like you're unfeeling. Look, I already explained to you where I came from. I'm not talking to you from a place of judgment. At the end of the day, all of us have to make our decisions. And I'll tell you, I remember when I was going through my really tough time financially... And I had a meeting with this guy, Dennis G, and I wanted to get some advice from somebody who didn't have any benefit in giving me the advice. And he was an older Italian gentleman, and I'm very grateful for his taking his time out to speak with me in my time of desperate need. When I sat with Dennis, you know, and I was explaining to him 
how much I had made before and how life was great and I was making all this money. And then I came into a place where my relationship um, with my now ex-wife deteriorated and I didn't, my head was spinning. I didn't, I didn't know, couldn't make heads or tails, you know what I'm saying? And if there's one thing that can totally screw up a business life in, and, and money is a relationship issue, <laughs> you know? And I went through that pain and I was sitting with him. He told me a couple of things. He said, Noel, uh, you need to get rid of some of the toys that you got. You're living beyond your means. And as I'm saying, sharing this with you, some of you are also living beyond your means. You're living on credit. There was a time when people used to buy things when they could afford them, when they, would, they bought them cash. But today, most people are leveraged. You don't, most people don't own their cars outright. They're making payments. That means you don't own the car yet. The leasing company does. <laughs> they don't, you don't own it until it's been paid for. A lot of us got just about everything from furniture to just about anything you can imagine on credit. He told me to cut back on those expenses. He said, learn to live on a third of your income and bank the rest. And, and I remember at that time, because I, you know, I was divorced and I was uh, renting a little uh, one-bedroom place, and he said to me, Noel, go home. Go back home to your mother's place. And I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> go back home? Are you kidding? And he says, Noel, you need to go back home and stop the bleeding. Like right now, you're in a place that you can't afford. Go home, recalibrate, and rebuild. This was like a pride-swallowing siege for me. You have to understand, you know, going from being on top of the world, married, got a kid, all that great stuff, and now being in a situation where nothing was working right. And the harder I worked, it felt like the faster I was sinking. I was like in quicksand, you know? And so the truth of the matter is, it was pride. You know, and but there's a book that said pride goeth before destruction, you know, and, <laughs> and so he told me, Noel, this is part of the reason why some people don't get ahead. He says, why would you want to go and pay a stranger rent when you could go give your mom the rent money and help her pay her mortgage? He said, that's a broke man's mentality. Now, of course, that hurt, <laughs> you know, but I'm so grateful for that message. And I said, okay, fine. And he said, get rid of the car that you can't afford right now. And I said to him, I said, well, Dennis, how am I going to be able to attract the kind of woman who's functioning on the level that I want, driving some beat-up car? And he said, Noel, if she won't drive in your beater, you don't want her in your Beamer either. Now, the truth of the matter is, it really had very little to do with that. I just didn't want to have anybody see me going backwards. I know what it was like to have a Toyota Tercel two-tones blue and rust. You know what I mean? I, I know what that's like. You know, and I didn't want to go back there. Because once you've had some, you don't want to give it up, right? So he said to me, Noel, most people, who, before they make the first million, they go through bankruptcy at least once. They have challenges. They got issues they go through. You're young. You're talented. You're smart. You're hungry. And you're driven. You can make it back, but you need to recalibrate. Get into a salaried position for a little while like this and start to look for opportunities and begin to rebuild. So when I'm speaking to you today, and I guess I'm not speaking to you from a place of judgment. I'm speaking to you from a place of I understand. I've come into a new understanding of how the mind works because of the mentorship that I've been through. And I'm sharing that with you today. You can choose to accept it or reject it, but I want you to know that after today... After me, there's no more excuses. If you choose after everything that I pour out through this program to you to not follow suit, to not go after, to not make it happen, it's on you at this point.
Okay? Just like it's on me. We're all grown, and we've got to take responsibility for where we are in life and where we go in life. Okay. And um, by the way, guys, I hope you don't feel like I'm beating up on you or getting rough. That's not my intention here. I just want us to get into a space of taking personal responsibility for where we end up. That's all. Okay? Now, some people are asking right now, Noel, you're dealing a lot on mindset, and you haven't really gotten to the practical application steps on how do I generate more. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Can we get to the income generation steps? We're going to get to that in a moment, but I have to deal with mindset first. Well, why is that? Well, remember I showed you in the video, and as you've been listening to these audios, we talked about the power of the subconscious mind. And we've talked about the idea of how do I create a new default for myself, right? How do I condition myself to create more? Part of the challenge is finding our blind spots. And sometimes our belief systems around things are blind spots that are actually the thing that's internally that's holding us back from taking the necessary action. Remember I said you choose your thoughts, and your thoughts cause your feelings. Your feelings are expressed through your body in your actions, and your actions are what produce the results. If you've got limiting beliefs around the creation and perpetuation of wealth, you're not going to build it, and if you do build it, it won't last. There will be sabotage on some level. So it is critical that I deal with mindset first. And then we get to the practical application because now once the foundation is built properly, the structure can stand. And I guess, and that's what we're doing here. So I want you to bear with me as we go through a couple more concepts and then we're going to get into all of the practical application. Hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're getting a lot out of this. I've been to a lot of programs. I've seen a lot of things and I'm trying to give you the most comprehensive that I can so that you can really, if you take a hold of these concepts, you will begin to get those breakthroughs in this particular instance in the area of money. One other thing I want to mention is that money is a several part series. We've got a few more audios to go on this one. I will be getting into other subjects. <laughs> so the entire context of what we're doing is not all about money. There's a whole bunch of areas on mindset and personal growth and development that we're going to be going through through this monthly program. But I'm dealing with money right now specifically because I know that it's a major issue for a lot of people. And the truth is, no matter how much you have, you can always have more, right? Like this. And so for the people who aren't doing as well financially right now, they got some things that can help them break through and take it to the next level. Because people who are already doing well, they're going to get nuances and ideas that are going to help propel them even further. So no matter where you are on the income scale, this is going to help anybody. It doesn't matter where you are. So let's continue. This concludes part two of this message.